Jim, you give Peg the 200 for the painting. She owes me 70, and I owe you the 46 for the Christmas trees. Harry's still out 60 for the dinner, but at least it'll void that check. Welcome to 200 Today, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Pauletta. And I'm Epidiah Rappishaw. We are... Are we sticking in the fifth season? I've already forgotten. Was our last episode fifth season? I believe... Yes, yes. So we are a little deeper in the fifth season. We we, we called it Audible. I think last time we were considering um, closing out Coop. Right. Uh, but we, we we decided, why 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 do Coop all at once? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was... I, I think I made that call mostly because we looked at the Coop episodes and the the remaining meaty coop episode is one that i remember being kind of a hard watch yeah um and like it, the the subject matter is a little is, is dark and i just wasn't feeling it so we decided to take a little look at the state of the state of play for where we're at with the episodes and the seasons we could just start closing out directors and writers since we're mm-hmm. very close on some of them so after taking a look at who we're close on um this one actually it uh, hits on two two of our near duns. Near duns? Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Near duns? Yeah, near duns. <laughs> near duns, as near-duns. they like to Season 5, Episode 10, A Fast Count. So this one was chosen due to being near the end of the uh, the, the episodes directed by Reza mm-hmm. Badi. Um, we have one more to do after this, and our last body directed episode that we saw was a different drummer our episode 98 which is the very weirdly titled um medical horror one oh, right that i will never remember that that's which one that was until yeah. i look it up again i was having a little moment where i was like okay i should remember what that one is but okay yeah um and so uh preview of coming attractions it means that his last episode that we do will be a beth episode so oh yeah that's why i chose to do this one first yeah and i think maybe we'll talk more about him in that um but he's a iranian director who i think i mention this every time just because it tickles me but among other claims to fame um he's super super prolific and uh is credited with coming up with the hawaii 5-0 surfing wave curl title intro that's great good good stuff um and i think he has a pretty strong suite of suite of rockford files episodes under his belt but again we will talk yeah. about that in our next episode <laughs> this one is written by gordon dawson or gordon t dawson who we talked about recently because he wrote the deuce um our episode 105 uh again we are actually coming up on the end of his episodes he has one more after this as well so mm-hmm. maybe we will do a little more of a retrospective on him after Watching this episode, I want to reflect on his other episodes because I feel like this one has some peculiarities with how it's structured that I really like. And I'm curious about whether that's a theme or whether or or, or not. Yeah, it's wow. It's interesting because his just looking at his um, range of episodes. They, the, he has a, quite the range. Yeah. And they're they're um, so he's got uh, the trees, the bees, and TT flowers, which mm-hmm. is a great two parter. Uh, he's got both the hammer of Cellblock C and second chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastoria prime pick, which mm-hmm. um, is a good one. I, that's one that looms large in the canons of uh, two hundred a day, right? Because it's one of the early good, early one of our earlier episodes. 
I think that like our earlier episodes, we keep referencing back to more because we we just end up having referenced them more often than the other. Sure, sure. But I feel like that was also one of the first where we really got into um, the like Yojimbo references and yeah. stuff like that. So it it's it stands yeah. stands out. It's it, it was one of the first like Jim Go Somewhere Else episodes that we did, and it's a it's a good one. It's a good episode. So yeah, that one makes sense. Um, yeah, and <sighs> also fun fun trivia fact: uh, this director writer combo also occurred once before for Second Chance. Oh, okay. Reza yeah. Reza Badi also directed that episode. So. Which we did as our episode 49 back in May of 2019. Wow. Were we ever that young? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pre-pandemic episode, that is. Yes. So I guess it's a it's a wrap on this particular combo. But, uh, you know, if one wanted to get really nerdy, we could see how many director-writer... I guess we would have to do director-writer combos that are not the staff of the show right, writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really should have... Uh plotted this entire um endeavor from the beginning right to just end with all the combos or something yeah end with all the combos combo and... breaker 200 a day yeah <laughs> if only we'd thought ahead yeah if only we were the type of people who thought ahead mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah again maybe we'll talk about gordon dawson a little bit more we talked about him in the lat in the deuce and we'll, we'll see if there's any other reflections to have on him when we do his final episode sometime in the future <laughs> but yeah this one so we were uh before we we hit record we were we, we had a surprising discovery where i have right. more notes than normal <laughs> and epi has fewer notes than normal so uh we want to make sure that we hit all the hit all the high points and maybe talk about why that is actually yeah i mean the the quantity of notes is, is not necessarily correlated to the quality of the show right right right, right. that's uh also, and I, there's a scene in here that makes me think, I think of specifically uh, as it relates to, I, long-time listeners may know that I used to make a living uh, transcribing television shows. And when there are sequences wherein nobody talks, mm. uh, this was always great for me. It was a break. And there's a wonderful sequence in the middle of this mm-hmm. that I probably should have taken some notes on because it was a great sequence. It was a, it was a tailing sequence. We will, as we say, get to it when we get to it. But um, it, it may be that I have less notes because I just stop taking notes when people stop talking. <laughs> and that's that uh, uh, out of habit. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, I think for my part, it's there are a lot of little details in this episode. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I was like, I want to make sure I get all of the little details. And I don't think all of them matter. Or mm-hmm. it's not that they don't matter, but... Uh, Again, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I had some I had this desire to make sure I had all the facts straight and mm-hmm. that turned into like an extra page of notes. Yeah. <laughs> it is a fun one. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this this is all just preamble to say, uh th- this one might be long or it might be short. I don't actually know. We don't we'll, know. We'll find <laughs> out. But at the risk of it being long, let's go ahead and get right into our preview montage. All right. The preview montage. Which I think, thankfully, is short. <laughs> yeah, it is short. We get uh, 150,000 spendolas. Spendolas. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he says. Uh, and this is a way to uh, draw Rockford in. I, I'm going to point out when we get to it, uh, but like this is a funny way to draw Rockford in. Mm-hmm. In the opening montage, it feels like he's offering Rockford 150,000 spendolas. That's not actually what's happening. But uh, 
we get the wonderful um oh man i what's her name mary fran is the actress mm-hmm. Uh, doing a, her car commercial where she's declaring war. Um, just, it's good. She's the used car queen. That's great. Uh, the I think, though, the best part is that it ends on a peel-out, which is exactly the kind of energy you want going into a Rockford Files. <laughs> you want to be like, let's get there. And also, it, it demonstrates that this, there will be boxing involved. Oh, yes. Boxing. Yes. I got a question, right? So the name of the episode is A Fast Count. Mm-hmm. Now, being who you are, did you know what this yes. name referred to? Because it didn't occur to me until like the the moment it's mentioned mm. in the episode. And I was like, oh, right. Yes, of course. So I remembered this was the boxing one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and a fast count, a fast count is a boxing. It's a, I mean, it's a combat sports term. Yeah, um, it's a boxing term and thus also a wrestling term. And we can maybe talk about that when it comes up. But uh, yeah. yes, I between knowing in advance that this was the boxing one, then, you know, that didn't um, surprise me. I mean, it's a good name for a boxing episode. It is. As far as I know, unfortunately, no wrestling episodes of The Rockford Yeah, Boys. I think he mentions a wrestler at some point or he <laughs> yeah. mentions going to a wrestling match at some point. But yeah, that's unfortunately... What could have been? There was a person I know yeah. on the internet who does a podcast um, about territory era wrestling, and mm-hmm. he mentioned uh, there, there's a wrestler who was in the Fabulous Freebirds called um, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and mm-hmm. he tweeted that he originally wrestled under I think his shoot name, or at least his last name was his shoot name, which was um, Terry Meeker, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it would have been this era, it would have been the early '70s, and he wrestled in Texas. That's wonderful. Right. So uh, I was like, oh, so obviously there is the Rockford Files episode that never was where Terry Meeker uh, gets sucked into some kind of shady promoters uh, con game and his manager uh, or he asks Angel for help or something (laughs) and Angel sees a piece of the action and comes to Jim. And so Jim has to become Jimmy Joe Meeker to go rescue his... (laughs) You know, his nephew, Terry Meeker, from the predations of this uh, of this crooked L.A. area uh, wrestling promoter. So he has to kayfabe the relationship uh, and pretend to be a wrestling manager. That's beautiful. Wouldn't that be great? I will. I will at some point have a memory of that episode. At some point <laughs> in the future, I'll be like, wait a minute. We've constructed a memory just for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Epi. Did you know that we are a 100% listener-supported show? I did not know that. Wait, I I did. I did. (laughs) And it is because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash 200 today. In addition to our gratitude, patrons also receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses. That is the podcast before the podcast. And that's where we talk about other stuff going on in our lives Mm -hmm. and games and movies and all kinds of things yeah we extend special thanks to our gumshoe patrons supporting this episode of 200 a day join mitch hampton to examine all matters aesthetic and what it means to be human at the journey of an aesthete podcast wherever you get your podcasts dale norwood wrote a book find trading freedom how trade with china defined early america wherever good books are sold it's about fast ships cheap drugs and american political economy Chuck from whatyoureading.com, Paul Townend, who also recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color, at fruitloopspod.com, Shane Liebling, 
His site, RollForYear.Party, has all of your online dice rolling needs. Jay Adon, check out his amazing miniature painting skills over at jayadon.com. Pumpkin Jabba Peach Pug, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Holly, and Dale Church. And finally, we can't thank our detective patrons enough for their generous support of the show. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenor, at Antenor on Twitter, Brian Pereira, at Thermoware, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman, at Jordan Bockelman, Bill Anderson, at BillAnd88, and of course, Richard Haddam, at Richard Haddam. We follow them too, at 200pod. If you're interested in helping keeping us going, you can do so for as little as a dollar an episode at patreon.com slash 200 a day. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, we know that Jim is a sports fan, and that apparently extends to combat sports as we start off our episode with Jim watching boxing on the TV. Eventually, we learn this is a Tuesday Night Fights is yeah. uh, the, the the program. It gets broken in uh, with a commercial from Right On Ruth, the used car queen. I think you mentioned the actress already, right? Um, yeah, Mary Fran. Uh, she's great. She seems like she has been in more Rockford Files episodes than she has, but she's yeah. only been <laughs> in one other one, actually. But it, So this is a wrap on Mary Fran. Oh, wrap on Mary Fran. She was in Counter Gambit, where ah. she's the woman who has the pearls that the goons steal, and then Jim yes. pretends to, like... Or Jim, like, runs a con to get in close with her and then tries to find out if they're real or not or whatever. But they were yeah. fake the whole time. And then Angel does the swap with the paste. And it's a good one. It's a good one that we did a long time ago. <laughs> um, that would explain a couple things. Now, first of all, I remember her uh, from the Newhart show. I'm sorry, from Newhart, which is separate from the Newhart show or whatever. I think it's the Bob Newhart show, then the Bob... The Bob Newhart Show, The Newhart Show, The Newhart. Anyways, the point is, she plays his wife in it. Uh, but I also remember her from um, the episode you just mentioned. Counter Gambit. Counter Gambit. Uh, and there was something I didn't mention during the opening montage that, because of my when I first wrote my notes for the opening montage, I thought, I don't know if this actually exists here. We don't see her and Jim in the same scene in the opening montage, or we do briefly. We do briefly because I think it's at the table when they have their like, yeah. sit down. There's just something about her, the way she looks, and maybe just being in the Rockford Files. But I'm like, oh, the opening montage sets her up as the opposition. Yes. But also you think there's going to be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a thing mm-hmm. between her and Jim. You don't look like this mm-hmm. on the Rockford Files and don't end up entwined in Jim in some with Jim in some way, right? Like uh-huh. so during the first part of this, I keep thinking, how is this gonna work? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. As this goes along. But it, it was already like a foregone conclusion uh, <laughs> from this commercial in my head. Yeah. I mean and the commercial is this is the one where she's in like the little red dress on top of the yeah. car saying she has acres and acres of fine used cars. Yes. Why why don't you come down and make her an offer or come down yeah. and she'll satisfy you or you know, something yeah. something to that effect. And then like lines and lines of used car salesmen in uniform like Red blazers. It blazers, yes. Red blazers. Very important. Yes. Not in, not just anyone can wear the red blazer, Epi. Yeah, that's true. That's, yes, uh, as we learn. Also, a classic Rockford meal. This is a good eating episode for yeah. for 
for my core Jim never gets to eat observation. <laughs> so yeah, he's pulling fixins out of his out of his fridge. We see him start to mix up a bowl. I assume it's taco fixins. It looks like he's going to put them in a folded something. Yeah. But uh, we never get to see him eat because after the commercial, they come back to the fight and they announce the next match on the card. Uh, they announce the opponent, who's Oscar Jones from Bakersfield. And Jim gets this, this look on his face <laughs> and rears back and goes, Bakersfield? <laughs> this is a moment in my notes where a lot there are a lot of question marks in my notes. And that's mm. not necessarily a bad thing. This is a, a mystery. It's going to unfold. But like, I also was like, Bakersfield? <laughs> like, why are we upset about that, Jim? I want to know. Let's find out. We get our episode credits as we are introduced to uh, our other core character for the episode, Maury, um, who is a, a cigar chomping, I don't know, fire plug of a guy. Yeah. Red face. His face is so red. <laughs> Not in connection to anything in particular. He just seems to have a very red face. Um, he is the platonic ideal of uh, boxing manager, not promoter manager yeah. which i think yeah. is a very clear distinction that we need to draw um and i can't believe he wasn't in more episodes of the show this is his only rockford appearance which is wild so he's played by kenneth mcmillan who among other things was uh are you looking at the yeah, movie baron, credits baron harkonnen of the original dune mm-hmm. yeah he's baron harkonnen in the is this the david lynch one 84 yeah yeah oh that's wonderful so i mean he's in tons of stuff he's in a bunch of movies like he's he was in the 74 taking of pelham 123 which i know people oh and he's dog day afternoon he's in he's all over the place that original um taking of pelham 123 is an amazing movie Mm -hmm. yeah it looks like he is a cop of some kind (laughs) yeah probably what he ended up being in a lot of these he's uh he's got a great face for rockford files mm-hmm. he's got a great name his character's name is maury i can't think of a better name for this character maury hawthorne which mm-hmm. is fantastic yeah no he's 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 incredible and he gets a lot of screen time he's he feels like a recurring character I think, yeah by the end of the episode like yeah we could have seen him in other stuff yeah, so Mori is a boxing manager. He's uh, checking in with his protege, his big, his new big thing, Jesus Hernandez, who's in the gym working a heavy bag. Um, there was a, a deal that didn't work out, um, but uh, uh, and Jesus tells him that there's someone waiting for him in his office, some investor. Mm-hmm. So Jim, of course, is in the office, sitting in Mori's chair, waiting for him. Um, we see immediately that they know each other, etc. So I think my notes, I have so many notes because I, I wanted to track what exactly the deal was here. And yeah. it comes through in the back and forth dialogue and it loops a couple times. And so hopefully I can summarize because I think it is important to know. Plus, I'm just delighted by the details. They're, just, yeah, yeah. they're good details. This is simultaneously a, a very James Rockford style investment and also a very non-James Rockford style investment. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you told me he did it, he made the investment, or if you told me he, uh, you know, threw Maury out of his trailer uh, Mm. for suggesting the investment, I would have believed both of them. Right, right. Really could go either way, yeah. Yeah. So the the deal here is that Maury manages Jesus. In order to fund his career, getting him off the ground, he sold shares to investors. So Jim has a 5% stake in Jesus Hernandez as a boxing concern. 
now he wants him to sell it back. I guess what is implied and then I guess confirmed is that he was supposed to have this fight last night that Jim was waiting for. And then when they announced the guy from Bakersfield, he's like, oh, that's not my that's not Jesus. What's going on? So he's like, look, you can't even get my guy on TV. I'm never going to see this money back. You told me you would pay me back, you know, exactly what I put in. No questions asked. So that's what I want. Maury, there's a there's a good gag here where Maury tells him, let me give it to you straight, like two or three times. (laughs) Jim, uh, look, uh, you mind if I level with you? Well, why not, Maury, when all else fails? Okay. The, the that opponent, Bobo Rydell, um, they use the, so the language is owner, which I don't love, but I guess is mm-hmm. the term of art in this situation. Yeah. You can have an owner and you can have a manager and they're not, not, not necessarily the same person. So the owner of Bobo Rydell knows that Jesus will win the fight. So she's not willing to sign the contract. Right. And it turns out that this is Ruth Beatson White, mm-hmm. uh, the used car queen, right on Ruth. She also is into boxing. She collects boxers like stamps. Um, she'll sign. She'll only sign the fight if she also gets a buy into fifty percent of Jesus, so that if he win, so that she win, she she makes money either way, right? Yeah, yeah. And if he doesn't sign this contract, she has the clout to keep him off TV entirely because it's due to her interest in boxing that Tuesday Night Fights is even still going. She's reinvigorated boxing in L.A. through her interest. (laughs) Jim's like, well, in that case, I definitely want my money because it sounds like he's never going to be on TV. Um, And then Maury's going to level with him again. And then three guys in suits come in looking for Maury. And it turns out they're the FBI and they're arresting him for a bribery of a federal official charge. So before Maury can explain why he can't give Jim his money back, he is literally dragged away yeah. in handcuffs by the FBI. The business with this FBI, uh, the scene is played, I think, for, for com- definitely for comedic effect. To the point where um, I, in my notes, I'm like, is someone running a scam? Right, right. It seems, almost, it seems like there's too much... Officially yeah. dumb. Because they come in and they they seize his typewriter to type up the form or... They record what they are saying to him. Yeah. Like, here are your right. Like, they record reading him his rights. There's a guy sitting on his typewriter typing up yeah. what the other FBI guy is reading to him. And then when he says, what is this all about? He, like, writes that in the document, too. And they're like, you got what he said? And then they take him away in handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it is very, like, uh, I'm trying to think, there's a particular uh, style that this reminds me of, and I I can't think of, like, it wouldn't, it would not be, this scene would not be out of place in Twin Peaks, right? Hmm. It's a little surreal. Surreal, yeah. Like, it's a little, like, uh, caught up in this um, whirlwind of activity that is all bureaucracy. You know what, actually, it reminds me, it wouldn't be out of place in uh, uh, Brazil, right? Mm, the, there we go. Yeah, that's a yeah, 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 yeah. Where, yeah, it's just it just feels like a swarm of bureaucracy fell upon him mm-hmm. and and stole him away. We're all just like left in the wind, wondering what happened. Yeah, and Jim's just on the periphery, like also not knowing what's going on. Um, so they take all this. So he's hauled away. Another of the FBI guys starts taking all the stuff out of his desk drawers and won't talk to Jim. Jim grabs Maury's coat out of the closet and runs after him with it, which is mm-hmm. a nice a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, giving him a reason to follow them out to the car where they're stuffing Maury. 
And as they go, all the boxers who are in the gym are all clustered around asking what, what's happening. And Jesus is out in front. And he's wearing his boxing gloves, right? Yeah. And he is clearly agitated. And Jim ends up holding him back from, like, throwing a punch at the FBI guy, <laughs> which is probably a good idea. Um, you know, he wants to know what's happened. What are they doing with Maury? Jim says, I don't know, something about bribing an official. And he's like, oh, he must have gone too far. Too far with what? Mm-hmm. Jesus's wife's grandmother is that threat of deportation back to Mexico. She's been in the U.S. illegally like her entire life, but I guess she's facing deportation. And Maury was trying to help out and keep her from, said he would, you know, do something. And so Jesus is like, it's all my fault. And Jim doesn't want to jump to conclusions. He asks, this is a wonderful I don't know. This is this is a wonderful little little move to 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 keep Jim involved. <laughs> yeah. I can't let him do that to Maury. Man, he's in jail for trying to save an old lady's life. How hard is it to get someone out on bail? Oh, not too hard if you know the mechanics. <laughs> That's great, man. No, hey Zeus. Maury's always saying what a great guy you yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> hey Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah i like how specifically it's the mechanics of getting him out on jail because clearly that's what jim you know his expertise is going to be we go to the hall of justice where jim is having his supervised conversation with maury uh he got two counter checks from maury's bank so he can just fill out one for two thousand (laughs) dollars to give to the bail bondsman and then he can fill out the other one to give to jim for his piece of jesus uh, I don't think we ever find out how much Jim paid for his Yeah, I don't stake. think so either. Yeah, it's a 5% stake. That's what we know. We, there'll be more delightful yes. <laughs> information about what that means later. But uh, yeah. yeah, it is not 5% of the whole. Let's just put it <laughs> that way. Uh, Maury says that he only has $2,000 to his name. Mm-hmm. So if he pays Jim, he's not going to be able to make bail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not cheap to bring a kid along these days. Uh, he wasn't, it's not just, uh, gym time and sparring partners. Uh, he's supporting Jesus and his whole family while they're getting him off the ground. Yeah. He doesn't want him loading trucks while, while this has happened, while he's training. And right, yeah, right. Yeah. But he insists that he's innocent. He didn't try to bribe anybody. He would never do that. Um, and Jim says that he checked it out. He has a contact, of course. Mm-hmm. And the story that the FBI has, what they're running with, is that Maury sent a $5,000 $5, and like a note, like thinking in advance for right for for whatever you can do to the official in, car- in charge of this deportation um, hearing with another and promising another $5,000 for satisfactory results in the matter. And it was typed on his hmm. typewriter and sent on his letterhead. And there was even a discarded draft of it in his wastebasket. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. Real neat. Real neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Maury insists that he's being framed. I think he says, someone's doctoring my water. You've got to believe me. Good line. I guess Jim, you know, he he, he accepts that uh, the priority is him making bail. So... Jim and Maury are back in his office where they find not only all the stuff has been taken, but there's a copy of a, of an order suspending his manager's license pending resolution of the felony mm-hmm. charges. So he's to cease and desist his activities as a boxing manager. Maury says, you know, obviously he's starting to spiral. This can't get out. Investor confidence will be shattered. If everyone wants their money back, he'll be ruined. Jim, of course, would like his money back. Mm-hmm. But he asked him to look into it. Um, and he offers Jim another 5% of, of Jesus. 
if you had 10% of the current light heavyweight champ, that's what would be worth the 150,000 spendolas. Spendolas. So, I mean, that's the thing that I mentioned in the opening montage. What he's offering is a a chance at something he's estimating to be right. 150,000. He's not offering Jim 150,000 spendolas. No. And there's enough if on this that Jim would normally be like, that's that's not an actual case thing. But Jim's already bought it. He's he's already purchased a five percent stake. Let's let's call it a five percent stake for now. Um, and uh, there's also, like you say, I think a clear indication that Jim and Maury go back. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they do have a nice like old pal chemistry. Not old buddies grown up mm-hmm. together, but they know each other. They're familiar with each other. Yeah, and also Jim sees. I think you know he sees a situation right. Like if you if if you if you game theory this out. Right. If he currently yeah. has five percent of, you know, if he if he currently has a stake that is presumably worth seventy five thousand, right, by this math that we are presented with here, that's contingent on Jesus Hernandez competing. And if yes. Mori is framed and goes down on these federal charges, Jesus Hernandez will never compete. So it's mm-hmm. worth zero. So now he's being offered the extra five percent to look into and he says i can look into it for a day or two which is in his own best interest anyway because if he can't get money out of maury right now for his stake he's lost it all he's lost it all anyway so he might as well spend a couple days and see the increased payout yeah this all tracks to me this all makes sense to me given what we know of of i'm not i'm not throwing uh suspicion on the uh motivation here Mm -hmm. i'm and like i said like this does feel like the kind of thing that Jim would make an investment on, not for the money making opportunity, but, mm-hmm. but, but more kind of the excitement. Yeah. He does gamble a little bit. Uh, and you know, we know he's into the sports and stuff. It just seems like the kind of thing that Jim would be like, Oh yeah, I got a, mm-hmm. I got a stake in a prize fighter. There is, uh, some business with the doorknob on the way out. Yeah. And he's like, will you get that fixed? I made a note of it. This is either a fun little thing that they just kept in or it's going to be important later. I seem I, I, I too like wasn't sure which way it was going to go. And uh, not to spoil the suspense. I think it's just a I think it's just a three beat gag. Like it's just a bit. Is it? But is there three beats? To there's, it? Th- there's three. Okay. I thought there were. I think two beats. I might have missed the uh, middle beat. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Jim goes to, uh, he's going to start his investigation with the guy who said Maury bribed him, <laughs> Floyd Blassett. So he's this immigration official. Jim is posing as a reporter from the Civil Service Life and Times, which you see that Jim did his research because uh, Floyd was written up in it last year. It's a great publication. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh God, it's such, I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's based on something that exists <laughs> but uh, it's such a Rockford Files publication. <laughs> mm-hmm. A promo rag for the civil servants of yeah. the federal system. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about today, but as recent as like a decade ago, these magazines still existed. They're like trade magazines. Yeah, trade magazines. They're just everywhere for every every profession that 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 a publisher thinks they can make money from selling them things that they already know i guess mm-hmm. and clearly this guy is a as is textually stated he is all about the publicity right mm-hmm. that's what he is looking for well jim says that he's writing an article about the anatomy of a bribe 
And so he wants to know the nuts and bolts of it. How did it happen? Who came to you? And as it turns out, a prize fighter type dropped the envelope off with his secretary. So there was no direct contact. But he has been in contact with Maury, uh, who's been increasingly desperate, or Mr. Hawthorne, mm-hmm. who's been increasingly desperate about the foreign national in question and seemed like he would be willing to do such a thing. Plus, the physical evidence is pretty yeah. rock solid. They are interrupted by a call to the secretary from the mailroom where his uh, press conference from that <laughs> morning made page three with a picture. That's and great. it turns out he held a whole press conference to talk about this bribery situation because bribery is an epidemic in, in our country today. And he intends to make a graphic example out of Maury. Uh. We go to Maury on the phone trying to convince another investor uh that he can't give him his money right now. He's going to just stand in line with everybody else. Jesus is in there. He's so from here on out, we get more and more Jesus in the scenes and we see yeah. that they're more again. I, you know, I've seen this episode. I didn't really remember it other than being the boxing one. So it easily could have been slash. I may have expected Jesus as a character was kind of important to the plot, but kind of a, just a minor right. Yeah. Character. Um, and I think I was pleasantly surprised to see how he actually has more presence as the episode went on. So Maury himself comes off uh, a, a little slick. He's an operator. Yeah. And you can go into this think of Maury and thinking he's running a con on Jim. And the the way Maury and Jesus interact does great work to ground Maury and make him just a decent guy. Like I mean, to us as the audience, very familial. Like, uh, we'll see him just having family dinner with Jesus and his family. And, you know, um, uh, yeah, I like I like that interaction. Jim comes in with what he's found out. And uh, uh, Moore has been saying that the investors have been calling ever since the paper hit the streets. Everyone wants their money back. For what it's worth, uh, Jim does think that he's innocent mm-hmm. or does, does think he's probably innocent. I think he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost positive. Only a fool would try to bribe a gung-ho fed like that and whatever else you are. You're no <laughs> fool. He runs down the description of the guy who dropped off the envelope that he got from the secretary. Is a, as they say, a scrawny... Because they cause they describe him as a prize fighter type originally. Yeah. And this description does not sound like a prize fighter to me, which is kind of funny. But he's like a, a scruffy beard, black guy, hole for an earring, but no earring. And Jesus clicks with that. It says it could be Tony Malavita. Um, there's a, a sparring partner that they would hire for like five bucks an hour or whatever, mm-hmm. but then they cut him loose when it turned out that he was a junkie and now he buffs cars downtown. So Jim goes to a auto body shop downtown and sure enough, finds him buffing a car. <laughs> <laughs> the prize fighter type thing, it, it didn't occur to me until you mentioned the, as we were going through it, because I remember them describing him as such. And then it didn't occur to me that this Tony does not fit that bill for me. <laughs> what I w- what I was imagining as the prize fighter type at all. But also, like I don't know anything about prize fighters, right. so like there's no need for me to to get involved. <laughs> I wonder if that was set up to be a joke, just based on going through it again. But I don't know. It's, yeah. it's very slight. It's just a little thing. So this is a a scene where we get to see Jim deploy his. Uh, his legal blather, his mm-hmm. uh, run his mouth with some legal ease, which we haven't seen in a while, but it's one of his good classic Jim Con typologies. So he says he's from the DA's office and he might as well get the preliminary info while he's waiting for the SIT, 
the special yeah. interrogation team to arrive. <laughs> so threatening sounding. Wants to know when Maury first approached him about delivering the bribe. If he cooperates, there's a slight chance that he won't have to take the full rap for the, for the bribe. <laughs> Um, Tony Malavita denies knowing anything, uh, keeps, keeps quiet, but does look a little worried. And then Jim's like, oh, I'm going to have to call the office and find out where that team is. You stay put. Malavita, you stay put. If you leave this lot, you'll be a violation of section 814, title 20, subparagraph six and five. You got that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's important if there's a subparagraph that you're citing. But once he leaves, Tony, of course, uh, take, drops his buffer runs to a payphone to make a phone call, and then we see Jim watching him from across the street. You get the idea that, or at least I get the idea, that there's a two-level thing here. Either Tony tells him something from the, you know, the legal stuff, yeah. and he gets some information, great, or this happens, which is also right. acceptable. Yeah, which I, I'm just going to point out, in a classic 200-a-day sense, mm. Uh, is a great way to run an investigative. Mm -hmm. uh, like if you're like, they need to know something t for this game to continue forward. Then when they ask the question, instead of just stonewalling them, have them either answer it outright because they want to, or they feel threatened if they don't or whatever, or do something immediately after being asked that leads to uh, mm -hmm. conclusion or something. Uh, and have that be the thing that's in peril is like, which way are they going to go? Or right, right. There's there's still a direction to go, even if the answer is I'm not talking. Yeah, it's not it's never a closed door. It's just which of these exit doors are they going to take? And in this case, we take a wonderfully filmed uh, exit yes. door to a <laughs> sidewalk foot. It's not really a chase because it's a it's a it's a fall shadowing a shadow. You know, this is wherever they film on location in L.A. Um mm -hmm. Lots of people on the sidewalk. Yeah. And we have, like, the camera in front of Tony. So we're seeing him nervously moving through the crowd. And then about half a block back is Jim, also moving through the crowd very confidently. Like, mm -hmm. kind of stands out, you know, because James Graham's yeah. a big guy. He kind of, you know, he's kind of head and shoulders over the crowd just naturally. And it, I also very much appreciated just watching this little sequence. The music's good. It's, uh, yeah. It's great. There's interesting business that happens in it that I did not write down because, again, as I said at the top of the show, I have trained myself to just <laughs> stop writing when people stop talking. But uh, I think my favorite bit – so it leads to Tony talking to someone in a car, and mm -hmm. we know we're all old hands at this. We know that this is – like we should get a license plate or we should <laughs> – you know, th this person's important. This is this is the the, the detail. And then a bus pulls up. Jim's waiting at a bus stop watching mm -hmm. from across the street. And then a bus pulls up. And I, it's classic. It's just classic. You just, you, you know, no one's going to be there when that bus pulls mm -hmm. away, Jim. You should have known. <laughs> but yeah, he doesn't want to, he, he doesn't want to tip his hand. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. sure enough, the bus pulls away and the car has gone and Tony's gone. Um, I did think that. There, there's a white guy with a short haircut in the Cadillac. That must be right. the immigration official that Jim already talked to. A white guy with a short haircut. Yes. <laughs> and it is not. It is a different person. But yeah. I thought it was. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's interesting. 
Um, yeah. That's a different story where like the immigration guy <laughs> is like setting this all up just for like self-aggrandizement or yeah, know, like, like there's a, there's a story there that could have been told. That's not this episode, but I was making those notes. And then, uh, and then in the next piece of dialogue, Jim says, I've seen that guy in that Cadillac before, but I can't remember from where. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It wasn't, it was not. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was not the immigration guy. Then. It's a good frustrated Jim though. Well, because he couldn't get any of the things you just said. He couldn't get the license yeah, yeah. plate. He couldn't get anything from, you know, any more information about the guy. And then everyone just disappeared. He couldn't follow them anywhere. Um, so Jim's frustrated. Maury is freaking out. He's pulling pills out of his desk and <laughs> pounding them and moving around with a lot of frantic energy. Jim says that he called Blassett to pull in Tony because the feds should be able to sweat the tooth out of him. Mm-hmm. So hopefully something is going there, you know, to, to, to clear Maury's name, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus comes in. Maury, you seen this? Yeah, yeah, I'm busy. Huh? Not now. But... Maury, everybody in the gym's talking about the ad, huh? What gives? What does the ad say, Jesus? Nothing that concerns you, Jim, huh? It's just an internal thing. And you, get back out on the bag. Huh? Stop bumping in here every time you run out of breath. <laughs> couples it up and throws it away jim of course just picks it up and there's an ad in the paper uh addressed to all investors in jesus hernandez <laughs> to come to this like it sounds like a hotel come to this hotel at this time to hear an offer to buy your shares mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's how they work maury says he's talked to all the investors nobody's going and you're not going to go either will you jim <laughs> but jim says that he should check it out because this is a great a great line Whoever is trying to capitalize on your troubles may have had a hand in them. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we get to one of the most mathematically yes. <laughs> uh, joyous <laughs> scenes that we've had in, in a minute. So I'll set the scene here. We're in this meeting room in like a hotel or whatever. Uh, there's rows of chairs. There's a blackboard. And when Jim walks in, there's the number 190 is mm-hmm. written on the blackboard. Uh, our, our used car used car queen, uh, Ruth, is standing up front along with a, a man who turns out to be her husband, who's calling for order, trying to get everyone to settle down. And then Jim comes in. He sees as a crowd of people. It's totally full, yeah. right? And he's like, yeah. am I in the right place? Like, <laughs> well, how much, how much of Jesus Hernandez do you have? And he says 5%. And everyone groans. And the yes. guy goes over and erases a zero and updates it to 195. That, I, I just wanted to just to say that I loved that, that moment. I don't believe they have a percentage sign on no. the chalkboard at all. No. So the, you're looking at the 190, you're like, what? My thought was like maybe like a bidding thing going on or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And then when he says five percent and everyone groans and they add it to it, like it dawns on me, and it just it just feels so good. It's just like, <laughs> oh right, yeah. <laughs> and as Jim says, Maury sold a hundred ninety five percent of Jesus Hernandez. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. And then Ruth has some quick math for Jim. I didn't write down the exact number, but. What she was, she did right off the top of her head is figure out if, okay, we could probably figure this out. One second here. Right. She says a number. We'll see if your calculation and her number, we'll see who's right. Uh, the fact that she's able to do it cl- clear off the top of her head is, is impressive. Uh, basically 195%. There's 195 shares. So you want to know what percentage of 195 is 5%. That's 2.56410265641s. It, it, but anyways, the she goes, 
Your 5% is now worth 2.5641%. You've been cheated, mister. It's an amazing calculation for someone to just uh, mm. say off the top of their head. Uh, at some point later on, I think... She remembers it, too. She says the number again later, like in a different yeah. context. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's something going on here because I think there's a point in... Because her husband is the accountant. Right. Uh, she kind of is like, I needed him because he knows, like, I, I don't have a head for number or something. I, you know, it's like, you do. You absolutely <laughs> do. Yeah. <laughs> There's something else going on. Like, she's, it, but um, yeah, it's great. It's a wonderful moment. And the other thing, again, kind of indicating something else going on that comes up, you know, will be important later, is she tells her husband to start handing out the contracts and he kind of like fumbles with the clasps of his. Yeah. briefcase and she snaps at him like like hand him out already geez we're all waiting around like it is established for us to see that she like really rides him yeah all right so we get the good math going get the good mm -hmm. math out of the way and she says that uh she's offering these investors 20 cents on the dollar of their investment it's the last chance that any of them are going to get their money so now we have a back and forth between jim giving us a little bit more detail and defending maury and mm -hmm. Ruth making the case for you should just sell me these just just sell me the shares. Yeah. He says that Maury's being framed. Uh the feds are moving on one of the conspirators now. He specifically says a guy named Tony Malavita. And I'm like, Jim, you shouldn't have said that <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know from the synopsis that someone gets killed in this episode, and I'm pretty sure I'm starting to think I'm starting to see who it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh so that's a, a bit awkward, but whatever. It's it, it gets it into the into the, the air and, and he says that he's not going to sell yet he believes in jesus he has mm -hmm. an undefeated record it's it's pretty it's really impressive it's like 18 and 0 in amateur and 10 0 and 0 in his professional fights or whatever like so it's extremely good record uh and maybe more is being framed just to give a, a way to buy jesus at a discount mm -hmm. so ruth her back is up what are you accusing me of i'm not accusing anyone of anything just saying what makes good sense through this, we've had shots of the crowd, including a uh, very spe specifically framed uh, a priest wearing like the yeah. collar and everything, <laughs> which is a good visual gag. And then he actually stands up because um, there's some crowd work here. Ruth says that uh, 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 Jesus has been mismanaged from the start. She can get him five figure purses within a year. If you believe in Jesus, you should, you know, I'll, I'll take him to the top or whatever. Yeah. And Jim says that they can't take Maury to bankruptcy court for 15 days. So none of this is going to change until then. Give it a couple days to see how it ends up. The a, a guy gets up. But he burnt you too. How can you stick up for him? I agree. To forgive is divine, but not in Mr. Hawthorne's case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Jim reiterates that a couple days won't make a difference. Ruth says, accept that. This is my only offer. Mm -hmm. And Jim replies, as bad as you want it, the price is only going to go up. <laughs> and he convinces the crowd. Yeah. I feel like, again, in a very, I don't know, tabletop RPG way, he he makes his, his diplomacy role. He, right. He yeah. passes the charisma check and changes the tenor of the crowd. It does help that she's offering like 20 cents on the dollar. Everyone here is looking to save their investment, but what they're going to say, like twenty cents a dollar, means like if they were if they had invested a thousand dollars, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're going to get uh, two hundred back. Yeah, two hundred back, and uh, that's not nothing, mm -hmm. but that's eight hundred less. 
right? Right. So, so twenty cents on the dollar is still an eighty percent loss, right? Yeah, on exactly. Your so, so I think she she thought she had this upper hand, and then Jim came in and was like, "You or you could see if it's going to work out, and mm-hmm. and maybe." Keep your investment. Yeah, it's like at that at this stage, what does that two hundred bucks matter if maybe yeah, exactly. it could work out? And I was going to say it's kind of weird that she's like he's been mismanaged. I can take him to the top, but it's important for her to say that in the heat of the moment, so yes. that Jim can point out, see, she wants this guy because he's going to pay off. Yeah, exactly. So like, let's let the legal stuff work out because the fighter is good. So yeah, it's a great, great scene. Great scene. All right, we go from one very good scene to what I think is another very good scene, mm-hmm. where it is dinner with Mori, Jesus, and Jesus's family. It's Mori and Jesus, Jesus's wife, uh, her grandmother, I guess, who they refer to mostly as uh, as uh, uh, Grandma Aguilar or Mama Aguilar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's two kids kind of in the background. So, you know, there's a whole family. Um Maury's saying they're going to work it out. Jim's Jim's working on it. And worst case with the immigration thing, they say they'll they can stash her with his sister in another in another city somewhere <laughs> making contingency plans for yeah. because she's under threat of the uh, Miss Aguilar is under under you know threat of deportation. Right. Um, there's a knock at the door. Maury says, I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jesus opens the door. It's Jim. He's looking for Maury. Yeah. His car's outside, so of course. And he pulls him into the kitchen to talk to him. First of all, this kitchen. Amazing green, like <laughs> 40s fridge, like the real air like airstream style. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, so good. And then there's like a gingham table cloth that's also green. So mm-hmm. it's a real, it's a real great, great palette in there. So Jim, first of all, wants to know, what the hell, Maury? (laughs) Maury, I'd be interested to hear how selling almost 200% of anything isn't illegal. Oh, for openers, no investor's allowed to own a piece of a fighter. What they own is a piece of the manager's piece. Already, I don't like it. Oh, you see, a manager's allowed to only own 33 and a third percent, some of which he usually sells off to get things rolling. In my case, I sold 50% of my piece, which became 100%. You got in then. And then when I couldn't get decent purses for the kid, we went broke, so I had to sell my other 50%, which became another 100%. Simple. And all legal. First of all, amazing. Right. Second of all, uh, again, for wrestling fans out there, if you're familiar with Steiner math. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents, I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie. It's a little Steiner mathy, 
I did look into this. So I don't know boxing like at all. I'm yeah, not interested yeah. in boxing really uh, other than for its importance kind of historically and like culture and, and, and everything. But yeah. like, I'm not really interested in it as a sport. I don't really follow it. So, but I was curious, like with all the stakes and percentages and stuff, like what does this actually mean? Like, what are they actually talking about? Like 33 mm-hmm. and third percent of what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you already knew this. No, I don't. I don't go for it. And again, any boxing fans out there, and I'm sure things might have are probably different now than they were in the seventies, but Jesus goes to have a fight for the light heavyweight championship. There's a purse a, a decided upon up front, whatever, $150,000 or, you know, whatever a number is that's going to go to the winner of the fight. And there's usually like a, a loser's purse or there's a purse, but then the winner gets a bonus. So like both people are going to get paid. The winner is going to get paid more. And then whatever that purse is, that's the money that's getting doled out. So if Jesus wins a fight with a $150,000 purse, again, just a random number, um, then Maury has 33 and a third of that. So he has 50,000 mm-hmm. plus. And then that's the money that's getting shared out to his investors. Yeah. So the law, it can be less than 33 and a third, but there's legally a manager can be owed no more than that percentage for of the fighters winnings. And then the fighters also paying whatever other people he has working for him or whatever. Okay. So looking at this, right? Mm-hmm. 33 and a third. That's a third. It's just a third of, of, right, of right. what, what that's a third. Jim's stake is, Five percent of the first one hundred percent of that third, right. and five percent of the second one hundred percent of that third, which is ten percent of two hundred percent, which is five percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But more importantly, it's a one in twenty, one twentieth, mm-hmm. right? So he has one twentieth of one third. So he has one sixtieth of this, mm-hmm. right? That one sixtieth, Maury's claiming, is going to. To, to transform into 150,000 spendolas. Right. So what we're talking about is a prize worth 9 million spendolas. <laughs> okay, wow. I'm just yeah. putting that out there. Uh, and and for our, uh, according to our thumbnail, our, our little guideline for 200 a day, we multiply that by five to see what that would be roughly worth today, even though inflation's what is that worth today? I know. It's actually probably, now it's probably more like times six. <laughs> yeah, let's find out. Oh, no, it's 4.5. That's dollars. What about spendolas? <laughs> so it's about 40 million spendolas, a little over, almost 41 million spendolas. In today's money. In, in today's money would be the, the prize. And, and, and one can assume that he's talking about kind of over like the lifetime of the fighter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't feel off. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know enough to say well, one way so or the other. I'm looking. So this is 1978 that this episode yeah. came out. So I was just looking up. So 1978, the heavyweight fight that comes up when you look for mm-hmm. it in for this year was uh, Leon Spinks Muhammad Ali two. Mm-hmm. I recognize both those names, so yeah. I assume this was a big deal. I mean, Muhammad Ali, of course, but Leon Spinks, I know, is also a big a big deal. Um, and the purse, I, again, I don't know how these things work, but just looking at Wikipedia, first of all, Leon Spinks had a got a, had a bigger purse, even though Ali won. So I don't know how that works. Maybe this is pre bonus or something, but it's three point two five million and three point seven five million okay. respectively. Yeah, so that's. 
So this is in the yeah. range. Like we're saying this one fight at this era are yeah. getting $3 million purses in 1978 money. It's, it seems um, ballparky enough. But the, yeah. the, also, it seems optimistic in a way that you would expect someone to be optimistic if they're trying to sell this, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, that's a good gut check. <laughs> Again, this is all kind of neither here nor there, except that just kind of gut checking, like, does this number make sense? Yeah, I guess that number makes sense for Jim being like, yeah, this is yeah, the yeah. amount of money that I could get out of this. Do you want to point out that uh, during this scene, Jim tastes the food mm. that's in the that kitchen? That was my next thing, yes. Yeah, Jim, he's taking, yeah, just, I also noticed that during the scene while he's doing the explanation, yeah, he's, he's taking bites out of a pot. So it's something, yeah. some kind of, you know, rice or, or some kind of sauce thing. And he's just slowly taking bites of it, sneaking looks over his shoulder. And then there's a knock on the door. Jesus is going to come in and Jim quickly puts the cover back on the pot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, only steals his food. <laughs> Or has it bought for him? Yeah. We also get a bit of an, uh, an the emotional component to why Maury's so upset and so invested. Mm-hmm. He's been waiting his whole life for this kind of, as he says, this kind of kid. Like someone yeah, who's like, yeah. he, he has the skill, he has the passion, he can go all the way, all he needs is the right break. You know, so what he did selling all the, you know, selling the shares twice, you know, even though it was legal, it was a little shady or whatever but it was for a good cause because it was to get this kid to where he can win his fights right that's the whole the whole deal but yes jim hurriedly covers up his the the bowl to cover the evidence and um turns out that there's a knock at the door door and it's dennis our good friend dennis yeah Becker, plus the fbi agent that yeah. we already met they want to talk to maury in connection with a homicide they found Tony Malavita with a bullet in his back. Yeah. All right, let's take a little pause in the action here so that we can all sit back and catch our breaths. And Epi and I can let you know where you can find us elsewhere on the Internet. Because as it turns out, we do do other things than talk about the Rockford Files from time to time. Epi, where can our fine listeners find you and your work? You can find my work at www.worldswithoutmaster.com. That's worlds, plural, master, singular. Or at digathousandholes.com, with the thousand being numeral 1000. I like complex URLs. (laughs) You can also find me on Twitter at Epidiah, E-P-I-D-I-A-H. Where can we find you, Nathan? The hub for all of my stuff from games to zines to podcasts is ndpdesign.com. I recently started a new podcast called Appendix NDP, which is a solo show where I talk about various topics in games and publishing. So I will plug that for listeners of podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter at ndpaoletta, P-A-O-L-E-T-T-A. And on Instagram at the same handle, though I probably will only have pictures of my dog. So, you know, that may be a plus. (laughs) (laughs) Now we return to the adventures of Jimbo Rockfish on 200 a Day. Uh, We go to the police station where presumably post-conversation in the hallway where there's a bunch of press. 
and a statement is being read by the boxing commissioner, I guess. We that's yeah. <laughs> I think that's established later. This is the Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's he's in charge of the boxing commission. The I mean I guess it'd be the athletic commission, but they I think they just called the boxing commission. That the whole affair is an it's an embarrassment to the sport of boxing. And so Maury is to sell all interest in Jesus Hernandez within forty eight hours, or Jesus will also be barred from boxing in California. And Maury is to appear before a hearing in the morning where his license is to be permanently revoked for the good of boxing. Mm-hmm. Poor boxing. I know. You wouldn't want the good name of the pure sport of boxing to be besmirched. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say in the previous scene is that what it does, in addition to you know moving the, the plot along and getting all the good number stuff, is it shows us that the investment that Maury has in Jesus and his family is more mm-hmm. than just financial yes yeah it's it's symbiotic like yeah he's his manager but also like they're the ones hosting him having him come over to dinner it, they're his family really like and that becomes more clear as we go on through the rest of the episode he's literally giving up his final stake financially financially yeah uh which is you know not not a thing you do if your motivation is financial you know like you don't you don't give away a hundred percent, two hundred percent of two hundred percent of your thirty-three per- and a third percent. Mm-hmm. If well, all you want out of it is something out of that thirty-three and a third percent, as, as the old saying goes. <laughs> and that becomes even more clear in this scene where Jim and Maury are riding back to the house in a cab, and Maury saying that it's been twenty-nine years of doing this, and not yeah. one year has he made a living at it. He's been looking for the right kid all this time. And uh, working other jobs to, you know, fund, you know, the boxing stuff. Uh, right now, he drives forklifts at a warehouse yeah. on the weekends. You got to want it 26 hours a day. And this kid wants it. Um, it's a great sport, but it's a rotten business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No truer things. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Nothing. But there's nothing like working with a kid who's going to go for it. And like, mm-hmm. that's what, you know, what he has here with Jesus. Jim says it's not he's not down and out yet. Um, he still has 48 hours before he has to, to sell. And when they drop off Morty, he he thanks Jim for being going to the meeting that day and being in his corner with the investors. And then, again, this, this is kind of a, the, the button on what I was just saying, where the camera watches Morty go up to Jesus's house and it opens and he gets like a hug to like bring him into the house right like he's embraced and they're you know that he's that he's back and he's okay and so we see that he has this like that yes this is also his his family and they care about Mm -hmm. maury just as much as he cares about you know jesus and his career or whatever exactly jim goes to leave but the firebird has been parked in real (laughs) tight on both ends (laughs) this is this is good. I really enjoyed this bit. <laughs> Nothing like ringing doorbells at four in the morning. Now, leading up to this, before we get to the parked in thing, uh, you know, I don't didn't mark why, but in my notes, I ta- I say like this feels really ominous, like mm-hmm. they're they have been tailed or something like that. There is something about that scene that feels a little like the lighting is very, <sighs> it's ominous lighting. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, there is an ominous element. Jim checks the van that's behind him and the doors open and he kind of pokes his head in 
And then we see just a pair of hands reach out and grab him by the shoulders and throw him against the firebird. And two guys are coming up on him. And he immediately is like, hey, it's not what it looks like. I was, yeah. you know, <laughs> you locked me in or whatever. But then one guy has a gun and he says, tells him to stay out of the Maury Hawthorne thing. That was just a sample. Choo choo, give him another small sample. <laughs> Jim already got punched across the face by this guy, Choo Choo. Mm-hmm. Choo Choo's pulling his hand back to give him another small sample. And then he gets a sucker punch in on the other guy, the guy with the gun. And there's a good meaty uh, scramble as they all uh, uh, kind of yeah. exchange some blows. Jim finally, like, he like rolls over the firebird and there's a tricycle on the ground. So he throws it at one of the guys. It's extremely good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm seeing if Choo Choo is credited. He is uncredited. He, the actor, his name is Fred Carson. Hmm. Uh, and this is a wrap on Fred Carson. <laughs> this is just his only episode. But he's been in a bunch of things leading up to it. This is near the end of his career, though. Uh, he has a lot of his characters don't have names. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Jim is able to get the drop on the two goons, uh, ends up jumping into the Firebird after the tricycle throwing, hits the gas, manages to push the front car forward enough that then he can back up yes. hitting choo-choo with his car on the way back <laughs> and drive away yeah oh it's good like i love that his i so it seems very deliberate that they were that he was parked in like yes. that yeah, yeah that was to uh, trap him yeah yeah and i love that his method is just okay we're just gonna shove this car out of the way <laughs> we're just gonna do it or firebird but it's good stuff yeah so now jim's being warned to keep out of the business so you know Business is picking up. Yeah. We go do Maury and Jesus cleaning out the office, even though the feds took everything, but I guess there's more to clean out. This is established as being after his hearing, so his license has been suspended. Yeah. He has a line, they took the 32 in my bottom drawer. How am I supposed to blow my brains out? Which is <laughs> very sad. I feel like every Rockford Files episode has that dark moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus tries to reassure him, and then Ruth and her husband show up. She knows that Maury has until midnight to sell Jesus's contract and figures the only way he's going to stay out of jail is if he pays all of his investors back, which would be $50,000 in total. And she will pay him that right now for that contract. Mm-hmm. He says, well, what about yesterday? You're you know, offering 20 cents on the dollar. And she says, well, that was yesterday. That was a lot of people. Now it's just you and me. Mm-hmm. And then there's another little bit where she gets impatient with her husband for taking too long to like pull the contract out of his pocket or whatever. And this also gives a little cover for Jim to come in after struggling with the doorknob. Oh, right. This is the one I missed then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he comes in on a good line. Well, I hope I'm disturbing something because I'm very disturbed. <laughs> yes. All right. So before going on, so I guess we're establishing here that Maury, to make the investors whole, Maury will have to pay them back a total of $50,000. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Assuming that Jim is only getting the 5% of the first 100%. Right. What would Jim's initial stake have been? Well, uh, that's hard to say because he may have sold those different percentages at different values, well, right? Let's, let's assume that it was an equal, yeah, okay, so equal split. If it's equal, then it's 25000 for each. Each half. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 5% of 25000 Yeah, which is uh, 1250 Okay. 
So that sounds about uh, right. Yeah. So, but like, my guess is that that is less than what people pay. My guess is that that fifty thousand is a compromise. Uh, like, I, I bet you he he charged more than that for for the stuff, and this mm. is just what the court is saying. Oh. You need to pay out. Her language here implies that this is what will make the investors whole so that you do not go to court. Yeah, right. So that probably is... Like, this is paying everyone back for the money they have paid you and nothing else, right? Yeah. So, twelve fifty. Twelve fifty sounds uh, right with the whole deal with the 2000 being the only thing he has left to his name. Right. The two checks that Jim brought uh-huh. would be close enough to each other. That, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And also, at $200 a day, that is six... It's called six and a half. It's six yeah. and a quarter days of work for Jim. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like three years ago, I think. So I can see him maybe getting a big payday and being like, yeah. Hey, not? yeah. All right. So the numbers check out is what we're saying. <laughs> or the other way to put it is that Jim is currently 1250 down. And right. this whole episode is <laughs> seeing, seeing where he gets back. So Jim has a big bruise where he got hit by I don't, I don't recall if it's ch- if it's chooch or choo choo I think it was pronounced differently at different times. Yeah, I, I had chooch in my notes, but when I looked at IMDb, it says choo choo. Okay, so we'll go with that. Chooch for short. Chooch for short. Yes. Um, and there's some banter about how you know he was in someone's way and yeah, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, the important thing here is that Maury needs time to talk to Jesus about this offer. You know, Jesus, one week from tonight, you could be fighting a semi-main on TV. If I were you, I'd talk to your manager. Remember, he works for you. I'm sorry, ma'am, but if it weren't for more, you wouldn't even be looking at me right now. It's my main man. I do what he says. And it's another good moment of showing the warmth between them. Yeah, uh, as he was showing that he cares about him as a person, not just as a financial partner. As uh, as as Ruth and her husband leave, she snaps, "I want to talk to you, Rockford. Eight sharp, like Peppies or something like that. Yeah, a restaurant of some kind." This this feels like uh, one of those things that they added in post. It, it definitely ADR. It's it's from yeah. off screen, and yeah. it's like, oh, we need a reason for him to be talking to her later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, it, 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 it establishes the very next scene. Yeah. So, I feel like, is this a good part to talk about Jesus? Sure, yeah. Before we go on to Rockford and Ruth and their whole big deal. So, Jesus here is played by uh, Stephen Bauer, who at the time was credited as... he's. Uh, I think he's Cuban-American, so at the time... Rocky. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. E C H E V A R R. Echevarria. Echevarria. Yeah, because that's part of his shoot name. Um, so he was in Scarface. Uh. He was. He's been in a lot of movies. Uh, he's a big, big working actor. But he's. This is early in his career, and in fact, this is his first IMDb credit. Oh, Rocky Echevarria. Yeah. Um, you know, in various. TV shows, TV movies, and then yeah, and then he was in Scarface, and I think that was a breakout role. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, then he's just been in lots of movies since then. Um, and and then back in TV, including a recurring role in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. 
as oh, two different characters, yeah. I believe. He was in Scarface, The World is Yours video <laughs> game. And uh, he's great. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. This is a role, again, that could have been super minor. Mm-hmm. This character, Jesus, is like driven, but also cares about the people. He seems like someone you would grow to love. He's charismatic. Yeah. And uh, it was just really cool to kind of click in and be like, oh, look at this amazing career that this guy has had that I just wouldn't have connected to seeing this face in this TV show in 1976. Yes. There is, there is, I think, a single missed opportunity with him in this episode that's going to come up in a little while. Uh, we'll point oh, it out when mm-hmm. it happens. I think you probably know. Well, now that you mentioned a missed opportunity, I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So he's great. That's, that is all. Yeah. Speaking of great. We cut to the jilted <laughs> husband drinking alone at the bar while Ruth has, <laughs> I guess they've been eating because they have plates of what look like pie. They're fireside yeah. at a table for two. It, this is in like a fancy restaurant or a date. It's like a date restaurant. Nothing about this scene doesn't scream. She's having an open affair with Rockford <laughs> in front of this guy. Like it feels malicious. And it may be malicious. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that this is, like, there's this whole point throughout this whole thing where her and Rockford really aren't in any scene. I mean, the last scene there at the same time, but, like... This is the first time the two of them have, like, literally face-to-face conversation. And for some reason, throughout the whole of it, like, when Rockford is just seeing her on TV and not reacting to her at all because he's making his meal, I'm thinking to myself... These two are going to get together. Why is this? (laughs) And this scene is uh, like, I I ate it up. I just absolutely ate it up. This, I I don't want to say this poor husband um, because Mm -hmm. he's one of the villains of the piece. uh, Don, but I don't even know if we've heard a word out of him. We haven't heard a single word of, out of him. I also like that he's nursing a drink. He's not even drinking. He just yeah, has like yeah. one glass of wine <laughs> that he's barely sipping. Oh, it's so it's this, good. You it's just good. feel the like he is not happy, which is important, right? Like this is yes. an important yeah. beat that we see that he's just like totally, you know, can't believe this is my life kind mm-hmm. of situation. But yeah, Jim and Ruth. So she offers him $5,000 for his 2.5641%. <laughs> yes. And he crawls back into the woodwork, which honestly is a good offer. But Yeah, I, I mean, we just we just figured this out, right? This is mm-hmm. four times what we figured out his percentage being worth. So it's probably worth somewhere between those two extremes. But, like, she's probably over-offering him. Well, and I think what she's doing, what, what Jim has been observing through this whole thing is her upping her offer every time she makes one. Yeah. Right. So he's seeing that she wants this. She wants Jesus like. Yeah. Bad. Right. <laughs> so I think that gives him the confidence to play out the string and see where this is going, because he is currently under the assumption that she has framed uh, Manny mm-hmm. in order to get Jesus at a discount. Right. That's kind of the yeah. operational frame here. And then this whole conversation is actually really interesting because he's trying to confirm that and he can't. Yeah. So he he has the whole thing figured that she's in over her head now. Sending Tony Malavito was a nice touch. But if she just mailed the bribe, they wouldn't have needed to kill him. Mm-hmm. She like sits back. I'm willing to go to a lot of trouble, but not that much. Yeah. That's <laughs> crazy talk. 
she in fact says that he's crazy for thinking of it and she's going to tell him where she's coming from straight Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a good bit of dialogue here where you sound just like a used car salesman that's what (laughs) i am Yes. And now we get a little bit of the uh, uh, backstory to Ruth to give us <laughs> a fuller understanding of this character. She's raised by a car salesman, but he was a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't sell dimes to a beggar. <laughs> he used to have me out there tap dancing on the sidewalk to get people in. Honey, I was selling cars and making loan applications when I was 16. When I was 18, he had a coronary. Demonstrating a used Edsel. Left me everything. Which was nothing. Nothing but headaches. But I dove in, I busted my buns, and I worked from 8 a.m. to midnight seven days a week, and that includes Christmas. I got myself some hot pants and a cowboy hat, and I kept right on dancing out on that sidewalk. <laughs> and now she's the most you know, successful used car operation in the valley or whatever. And Jim kind of eggs her on with little, like, quips and questions and stuff. Yeah. So we get all of this uh, 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 exposition. But we also kind of see Jim appreciating her style a little bit, I think. He has some good insight into her mm-hmm. as well. That, Like, he has this one line where he says, just exactly when did it start to get boring? Mm-hmm. It, like, he knows that she she works really hard to be on top of her game. And then once she's there, she needs a new game right. to, to beat. Yeah, well, she, she got to the top in a man's game, right? That's her yeah. her next thing um and it's because she figured out the secret that you meaning men Mm -hmm. make it look so hard but it's actually easy (laughs) (laughs) you know so once i figured that out it was Mm -hmm. made it to the top and then he's like so when did it get boring um yeah but i love that insight like that's a great i mean she's not wrong yeah she could do a podcast she could definitely do a podcast (laughs) yeah like how much of stuff is like yeah from the outside, it's supposed to be hard, but once you get inside, it's like, oh, you just know that guy. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Or you just have money. That's all, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in her case, it's like, you just come up with a gimmick, mm-hmm. you know, and hers is being like a like sexy lady on TV to sell cars. Hey, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in there, it comes out that like she got big enough that she needed an accountant and then she mm-hmm. ended up marrying him. So we slide in that little factoid. You know, now it's just easier just to stay married. He's a good comptroller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jim, doesn't Jim make a comment here about, I didn't write it in my notes. I'm just trying to recall it. But it's something like he knows too much to, or you know too much about each other to let go. Mm. This yeah. insinuation that like there's, you each know where the bodies are buried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does make that insinuation. And yeah. her response is like, it's just easier to stay married. Yeah. He's he's like, oh, so that's what's going on. And then she's mm-hmm. like, not really. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So you see Jim kind of getting set back on his heels a little bit as she has very reasonable responses to his accusations. Yes. Um, she says that uh, she doesn't need thugs. She has lawyers. Yeah. Right. Like she doesn't need to beat people up. She can just buy them off. Yeah. Uh, and he even says, OK, it's plausible, including okay, you can afford top dollar, so why would you go to the trouble of this whole frame to get a discount? Mm-hmm. That's what doesn't add up. And that's when she's had it with him and his you know, his accusations to stay out of her way. And she storms off and leaves Jim with the check, which is the yes. <laughs> chef kiss at the end of the scene there. This is fun. This has got that, that feel of like Jim keeps 
revamping his theory of the of of the the crime, right? Like he's he keeps having to reassess what's actually happening. But it's also um I just it's a nice twist because we'll find out uh that she's not the guilty party, but everything leading up to it kind of points to her mm-hmm. being the guilty party. But this is what starts shake this this conversation is what shakes his foundation where he's like, I'm assuming that she's behind it. And now he's like, yeah. she might not be behind it. <laughs> yeah. Like, so what is going on? Which structurally as an episode, I think I think what this episode does really well, and I think in a way we haven't seen in a while, as we learn more about each character, it makes or like you know, makes me as an audience member go, you know, I don't think they did it. Right. right. Like yeah. it's not that there's a plot thing or like a text thing being like this person did not do it. Like sometimes there might, you know, sometimes that's effective. But in this case, it's like seeing more of the relationship of Maury and Jesus. Right. I'm like, oh, Maury's not a bad guy. Maury's not a slime ball. Why would he be doing that bribe? But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like seeing more with Ruth, I'm like, there's no character motivation here. Like there's no like I'm not saying she's great. She probably does all kinds of sa- unsavory things, but like he's right. It doesn't make sense for her to go to all this effort just to save yeah. some money when now she's just throwing more money around to get what she wants anyway. Uh what I like what I like about this is that uh each character's reason for why they're in the line of fire, yeah, you know, where they, they look guilty in the beginning and then don't mm-hmm. uh comes out of a motivation, right? Yeah. Like so so Maury wants to help Jesus and his family out uh, or really just wants to manage somebody with heart like Jesus, you mm. know, that kind of thing. So Maury looks like he's running a scam on the investors, but he's not. Mm. He looks like he's uh, very briefly looks like he's the uh, would bribe an official, but really what Maury's motivation is, is just that he wants to help out. He's good. Right. He wants to keep the family together. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then you got uh, um, Ruth here where it looks like she's driven to have this prize fighter. Well, she, cause she is driven now. She collects dudes. Like right. her, her, her car commercials <laughs> are, is, are her dude collection. So she's collecting prize fighters. Like that's what she wants to do right now. And that's, uh, and so that keeps putting her in the line of fire of looking at like the guilty person. Mm-hmm. But you know, as, as Jim realizes Oh, there's nothing. Yeah, he goes. He he goes to peel back the layers and goes. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. She exactly. can just buy it. Yeah. Sometimes it's the character, right? Sometimes it's like people shoplift all the time who can afford to buy the thing. It's but it's right. something else. It's the thrill or it's whatever, right? That's not the case here. This isn't a you could afford to do this, but you're choosing to do it this way because you're twisted or because you yeah. have some other motivation. It's more like I'm following the clues and following what I know of you and where I'm getting is, I guess it doesn't seem to fit that you would do this Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I think we just haven't had an episode that has this many characters, this fully realized this quickly. I kept looking at the, at the time on the thing and be like, yeah, I can't believe there's still half an hour of this episode to go. Like (laughs) I felt, you know, I kept feeling like I've seen an entire episode like every 10 minutes, which it's great. It's a good feeling. It does. It's one reason why I have so many notes. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thick episode. It is. It is. That said, to continue getting through the episode, uh, mm-hmm. our next scene is another uh, commercial for the uh, Ruth's uh, 
used car empire where she's declaring war on ripoffs yeah. and high prices. Um, <laughs> and we see Jim and Dennis uh, watching it. Uh, they're hanging out in Jim's trailer. She goes down her line of salesmen, her, her collection of dudes, as we said. Yes. And giving them like, like marching orders. Like you do this, you do that. And the one at the end is sales manager skip. Mm-hmm. And Jim finally remembers yes. where he recognizes that guy in the car from, from these commercials. Um, Dennis has a line, who can pay attention to the men when Ruth is right there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dennis. That seems like something you would say. Um, He tells Dennis to use my phone. For what? (laughs) (laughs) Have him arrested. Well, Dennis does need something like a shred of evidence to go on. Plus, it's an FBI matter. It's not, he has nothing to do with it. So he asks Dennis to at least run... Uh, run run info on Skip for me since I'm going to have to do all this work myself. So the last couple scenes, I've been like, so was the husband the guy in the car? Right, yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, so if it's not Ruth, the husband probably, like, we're getting the weird vibe. Like, he's definitely jilted, so, like, he probably has something to do with it. But he's also kind of a wet noodle, so... right. As we see all the guys in suits, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of the guys from the commercial. Like, like it, <laughs> the episode did a good job of giving me that realization right as it happened. So it's very satisfying. So we go to Jim coming in to talk to Skip. He's answering an ad for a dynamic salesman. <laughs> and this is, uh, there's the good line where we don't let just anybody wear the red blazer. Yes. And Jim runs this great angle where he's like, I know all about your unsavory past, so you should give me a job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, now, come on. You have uh, sold uh, siding and books, uh, even a little real estate until they lifted your license. And then there was that uh, consumer fraud beef back in 72 that was just before you bankrupted the dealership in San Diego. So let's can the coveted red blazer stuff. Get down to business. Now, skip old buddy. Does, does your boss, Ruth, know all about this or something? He's like, well, Ru- Ruth wrote the book. And I kind of feel like maybe that means like Ruth like blackmailed him with this stuff <laughs> or something. It's possible. Uh, Very yeah. possible. So he's asking Jim where he got all this info. And then they're interrupted by, by another salesman coming in. And it turns out that he's one of the goons, the goon with the mm-hmm. gun. And they call in Chooch. <laughs> Jim kind of tries to pretend like... They're not going to see him and then kind of gives a little (laughs) wave. Chooch has his hand all wrapped up in a bandage, which I love. So this is when Jim puts it all together. Ruth doesn't know about the frame at all. It's, you know, this little group of 'er ne'er-do-wells. But what's the payoff? And Skip says, well, that's tonight, but you're not going to make it. Pulls out a gun. I came in and found you going through my safe. I thought you had a gun and I had to kill you. <laughs> and Jim starts talking. No, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. It's bad PR. And then he shoves the table at oh, him so hard. Skip and Choo Choo, I think, are behind the table. And mm-hmm. he shoves it so hard that they go flying into the glass. <laughs> the camera cuts to uh, switches to being outside. And we see them come crashing through the big pane of glass as Jim runs out of the, win- uh, runs out of the, the room. Shouts at another red blazer. There's been a bad accident. Go check it out. And <laughs> peels out in the in the Firebird. It's good splashy action. There's there's a thing in this episode so far that this episode's about prize fighting, mm. and we saw a little boxing on television or whatever, but not a whole like we saw the good fight mm. uh, when Jim was parked in. But like you know, I I don't know. I felt like there was going to be a lot of action going into this episode. <laughs> 
You thought there'd be more punching? More punching. But this is good. This is very satisfying. We have a brief interstitial where Jim goes to Jesus's place to find mm-hmm. Maury. Maury went to the gym. He left about 10 minutes ago. And watch out. He's had some drinks. Mm-hmm. And we go to a very moody, ominous scene in the dark gym. The lights are mm-hmm. not on. And Maury and Ruth are having their final blow-off conversation. Is this the, the missed opportunity? Yeah, so the missed opportunity is that... Jim knows that there's trouble, mm. that there's lethal trouble, uh, and that there's probably going to be some goons involved. And he's standing there next to <laughs> the future light heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world uh-huh. and does not invite him along. And that, that to me, is is the, the single blemish on this episode. <laughs> I just want to see Jesus punch a goon. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Well. Big brain, Jim doesn't want to put Jesus at risk. No, that's like, I understand why. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> just... It is a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you're right. So there's a, a good business at the beginning where there's some, some boxing stuff. Uh, Ruth's been throwing all the low blows and that she has more on the ropes, um, et cetera. I think here we see Ruth's like impatience with the whole thing. She's like, I'm not trying to scam you. I'm right. trying to give you money. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> why are you making this so hard? She says, okay, if Jim is right and you were framed, I have enough clout to get your license reinstated. And then uh, you can come work for me as Jesus's trainer. Uh, and she offers him $20,000 a year plus 10%, presumably of the purses or whatever. Uh, and we can take him to the, you know, take him to the title together. His response is like, but you've always complained about his management. She's like, yeah, you're a lousy manager, but you're a great trainer. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, let me buy him from you. Then I'll be the manager and I'll hire you. You can be the trainer and like, all will be right with the world. Right. She's like, let's give everyone the right job. Feels like a good deal. It does feel like a good deal. Um, we cut outside as we hear harmonica. And then we see that there is a man playing harmonica on the sidewalk, on this busy, busy sidewalk outside the gym. Shout out to Diegetic. It's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, there's a guy standing on that corner playing the harmonica while like sailors walk around and there's like a bunch of high school guys in track jackets or something. It's it's good little place, place setting. Uh, as Jim gets out of the car, he sees the husband sitting in a car mm-hmm. outside waiting. And he runs into the dark gym as Maury's saying that he doesn't understand. Jim was sure about this being a frame up. And so Jim comes in just in time to explain that it's a frame within a frame. And Jim (laughs) fell for it like he has weights in his pockets. Yeah, that's a good line. Uh, We got to get out of here. And that's when Skip and his goons come in turning on the lights. (laughs) So it's a fun little inversion where like all the above board stuff is like in the shadow and then yeah you know it's it's good it's good so now they're going to stage this murder there's a bunch of dialogue to establish what the idea here is because a lot of the business is like ruth realizing that skip is turning on her skip Mm -hmm. showing that he has never it's implied that they had an affair maybe Seems likely. Seems likely, but he's yeah. like, he's going to get so much satisfaction out of finally shutting her up or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's clearly a, a bad man. But 
they have the 38 that was stolen out of Maury's desk that he assumed the FBI had taken, which again, love that little detail. The payoff here is that Maury got in an argument with Ruth, kills Ruth, then Ruth's husband comes in, Maury threatens him, he has no choice but to kill Maury. And then, yeah, the husband, Don, I keep forgetting his name because he's just the husband. And then, yeah, Don and Skip inherit the business, split a 50-50, and get to live their lives without Ruth, I think, is the other, you know, benefit. Um, They've been planning it a long time and finally had this opportunity. They have to pause and wait because there's a group of Marines wandering by on the sidewalk. (laughs) They have to wait till the coast is clear. Jim says it's a big mistake. They think he walked in there without calling the cops first. And Skip says, good try. I watched the late show. (laughs) He positions Ruth where he wants her and they start kind of in the background. We hear her, Skip, don't do this. And he's explaining how great it's going to be to do this. While we see Jim looking around, Jim finds a bucket and suddenly throws it at the goons. And we have a big final action scene. I think he throws it at Chooch. I think so. Uh, Maury rushes in behind it. Someone in the scramble hits the lights again, so it gets dark. We have a great frame of Ruth grabbing a bottle and hitting Skip in the head with it. So (laughs) that seems good. There's a bunch of meaty punching. And then uh, the gun-wielding goon is at the window, and Jim got a gun in the scuffle and shoots a warning shot. And he turns around Mm -hmm. and raises his hands. But the warning shot alerts (laughs) the husband, who's been waiting for the signal. So he comes in and he comes through the door and he's all nervous and he's like, Skip, what took so long? Thank God it's over. And then Ruth steps in front of him and says, yeah, Don, thank God it's over. And we have this freeze frame on Jim with his weird look on his face behind Don. <laughs> it looks like he's about to hit him with a gun, I think. Yeah. Like like, like pistol whip him. But um, we freeze frame before there's more action. We stop on the dramatic line instead, which is probably better. Um, I'm sure I missed some details in there. It's a good little fight. Uh, very chaotic. Yeah, it's a, it's the scuffle you want, minus the prize fighter that you wanted there yeah. to take out Chooch or whatever. Yeah, I think you really want to see Jesus just punch Chooch in the face. I think yeah. that's the only thing we're missing from the <laughs> whole thing. Um, and then we go to the TV again, where this time the boxing commissioner is broadcasting an apology, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I appreciate. It's an apology to Maury, an announcement that he's fully reinstated. And that Ruth is making all the investors whole as part of buying Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's some business about uh, accounting discrepancies or something like that. Like mm-hmm. the hand-waving the fact that he sold 200%. Right, right. They're, yeah, they're saying like all the investors are going to get their money back. Yeah, yeah. So that's great for everyone. And we have uh, Ruth, Maury, Jesus, and Jim in Maury's office. Jim is going to get his 5%. Of Maury's mm-hmm. 10% or Ruth's 33%. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that end up working out to? He was going to get 10%, but now he's going to get 5% of 10% of 33%. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> One and two thirds percent, basically. So I don't remember the dialogue, but... Does this mean that he got paid for his original investment and he still has a 5% stake in the new arrangement? Oh, that's a good question. The note I wrote down was 
that he's down money on this one, but I might have been mixed up in the moment. Uh, I might have just been looking at the percentage of percentage right. of percentage that he he's end up he ended up having bought. But it could be that he got paid back his five percent, right? Because that was the condition of this whole transaction. Yeah, to make everything good again. And this other five percent is the five percent that Maury promised him. Uh, for I think you're solving right. the case. I think that's what this is. I choose yeah. to believe that because yeah. then Jim gets his twelve fifty back or whatever, but that's what we estimated from his original yeah. investment. And now he still has a one and two thirds percent stake no, no. in I'm sorry, I messed up with that. He has a sixth of a percent. That's what he has. It's point one six repeating. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. I, I, I misread what was on my screen here when I said that. So if a sixth of a percent of the, we were talking 9 million though, right? Right, you, right, you were, yeah. 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 So given that estimate, instead of 150,000 spendolas, he's looking at approximately 15,000 spendolas. But hey, that's, that's more spendolas than he started with. I mean, again, yeah, assuming over the lifetime of, you know, yeah. it's not a lot, but it's no. not nothing. It's not nothing. Yeah. So I think we, as 200 a day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because we're the boss, this is our show. <laughs> we choose to believe that Jim got made whole for his original 5% stake. So yes. he's not out any money. He did not get paid for any of this work. However, he now has this one sixth of a percent interest in Jesus Hernandez's purses going forward. Yeah. Which may result in as much as $15,000 over some number of years. Yeah. Going into the future. Just passive income. Passive income. We uh, changed the subject to mention that mother Aguilar will get to stay in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, good news. Uh, everything, everything is good, but Jim, so Jim is seeking more assurances about this money, I think. And yeah. they keep changing the subject. He's like, okay, everything's going to work out, right? But right now, what we need to do is focus on getting Jesus ready for Bobo Rydell. And they leave to go continue training, and the door handle sticks again. And this is the <laughs> third beat in the door handle yeah. gag. So I stick by my my guns that it's an intentional um, an intentional joke. Yeah, it was it was Jim leaving, then Jim coming back in, yeah. and then Maury leaving. Yeah, the three beats. So I missed the middle beat. Given the middle beat, you know, it's not like a hearty har har joke, but it's a good, uh, I'm trying to think of like the term exactly I'm looking for here, but it, it returns the audience to a state where it all began, mm-hmm. where nothing has actually been fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. good point. This is good. We we won all these things. Now we're back to where we were before the FBI showed up. <laughs> right, yeah, we have regained the status quo and the status quo was shaky at best yes exactly um well what is not the status quo is our final conversation with ruth and jim she says he knows he isn't getting everything he wants out of this and then she has this whole maneuver where she starts off with well if money is your problem and then she starts telling him how much she could use a man like him but Mm -hmm. she's like touching him and really kind of vamping a little bit turning it on um And he looks a little uncomfortable, but he's kind of letting her talk. As you may know, I'm always on the lookout for a good man. Yeah, I've heard it said. And now that I'm going to be devoting full attention to the fight business, the dealer management job's wide open. I bet you'd look terrific in a red blazer. Not a chance. (laughs) (laughs) 
So then she goes to, okay, well, at least come have dinner with me over in my place. You, I'm sorry, Ruth, but I'm, uh, I'm a little old-fashioned, you know? I, uh, I like to open the doors and light the cigarettes and make the passes. So she says, oh, she's sorry. They'll go to his place. <laughs> and freeze frame. Freeze frame. So I, I got a commentary on this because I mm-hmm. don't think, I mean, like Jim is a little old fashioned, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like he does, you know, grab people by the arm. Last episode, he grabbed, no, not by the arm, but I, I forgot to mention it on, but uh, Coop, he put his arm around Coop mm-hmm. to like guide him. So uh, what's really happening here is that Jim knows and does not care to be a notch in her belt. Right, right, yeah. Like you were, you were just saying, like her first play is come work for me. Uh, she definitely wants Jim for something more than work, mm-hmm. but work creates the uh, power dynamic she wants out of this. Right, right. Yeah. And Jim's like, I don't want that power dynamic. <laughs> My read of this is he's saying, I'm not interested. Yeah, he's looking for a polite out. Yeah, and his polite out is like. Mm, I prefer to make the passes. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's not going to let him get away with that, I guess. But I think we end the scene with the freeze frame that does not give an indication that he is 100% on board with uh, moving yeah. forward with any kind of Ruth relationship, if you will. <laughs> That's good. I mean, she gave it the gold college try. No, no yeah. shame to her. But uh, yeah, I think all things being equal, Jim would rather just have a higher percentage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> End of episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think that was a great episode. I think so too. I liked it more the more we talked about it, which is always <laughs> a nice uh, outcome. Sometimes we can talk ourselves into a different feeling on an episode. Yeah. I think often when we do it, it, the trajectory is that we end up liking it more than, or we see something in the episode that we didn't before. But like sometimes you can get into like, yeah, picking it apart, picking out the logic and stuff, yeah. Well, this one, I think, thankfully, the the logic is simple, and there isn't a lot of connective tissue needed, and so that gives a lot of room for all the, like, character dynamic stuff that we talked about. Yeah. And so it ends up working even better. Yeah, it, it's a testament to just how much having a good situation, mm-hmm. ha- having characters with clear motivations set against each other in a good situation does like carry enough of that that you because i feel like a lot of times not rock profiles episodes in particular but just in general like these intrigue style fictions mm-hmm. will will kind of crumble when they get to a spot where they're like this person has to be guilty this other person has to not know that or have a reason yeah. to suspect that even though the audience is sitting here being like obviously that person is guilty yeah yeah so you have to invent a white you know, like a little lie here to throw in the middle that doesn't quite fit anyone's motivation or anything like that. Mm. Uh, but it just, it's just a little um, lubricant, a little something to get us going forward in the story or whatever. But this one is just like, yeah, everyone uh, has a clear motivation towards the things that people are going to start accusing them of. Uh, but those are wholesome motivations that lead <laughs> to something else on the other side. I think even the, like I noted the... I noted that it was like, Jim, you shouldn't have said that name, Tony Malavita, right? Yeah. But that actually is kind of a head fake for people like me, Mm -hmm. where I was like, Jim, you shouldn't have said that. Now she's going to know, right? But it doesn't matter because the people who kill him knew the weak link as soon as he called them as like this guy Rockford is sniffing around, right? Yeah. So like they didn't need Jim to reveal that information, but as a 
person like me watching it that gave additional credence to the idea that she was the one who did it because now she knows that Jim knows the name of the person or like whatever, right? Yeah. The, in the moment, it makes sense for him to say the name because it gives us it gives the group of investors a concrete detail to hang their uh, suspicions on, right? Like because he says, "Watch the newspapers; it's going to come out that this guy." Uh, in the same way, where when he does a con, he he drops little precision details about things mm-hmm. to to create the air of this right, is a right. true thing. This is a true thing. He's not running a con in this particular case. Everything he says is true. But like, but that's why you do it in a con because exactly. Yeah. sometimes, yeah, those details matter. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I didn't really remember this one. I didn't really remember particular. like, I mean, I liked it fine. I don't remember yeah. it standing out, but doing the like deep read on it, I think this, this, yeah. this, this might be a, a new, a new fave for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it benefits from it. It definitely does. It benefits from it primarily because the character work is all just really good. And it's in support of the story. The The story beats work with the character beats. The mm-hmm. character motivations make for the sticky situation that can't be simply solved just by everyone knowing everything. The people who are concealing information are doing so for a very good reason because they're very bad people. Mm-hmm. But their character motivations are clear, even if unsavory, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they grow out of what we know of Ruth. Like... It all, it, it's all just a real solid, it's a real solid piece. And all those little details that I so obsessively made sure I noted, um, all matter running through the number. I mean, we do it cause it's kind of a bit, but like, it was nice to go through the numbers and be like, oh, the numbers. Yeah. These hang together. Yeah. Yeah. They work. Yeah. <laughs> Great. The only, okay. The, this did occur to me while we're going. The only thing that I'm like, hmm, is I guess at some point they must have planted, they must have stolen his stationery and planted yeah. a note in his wastebasket. Yeah. Right? Because there was that like physical evidence stuff. Uh, now I'm wondering, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Am I about to break this story wide open? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did we over... We might have... Have we gone too far? So, uh, never mind. There are FBI agents in the credits. <laughs> uh, you know, we were talking about how that scene felt like a scam, right? Mm-hmm. That would have been the perfect moment to come in on his typewriter, mm-hmm. write up... Oh, write the note, like, right in front of him? Yeah, the, the draft of the note, and then throw it out. But he was getting arrested for real. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm wrong. I mean, not only was he getting arrested for real, we also see that FBI guy later with Dennis, and Dennis says this is the FBI like oh, investigation, yeah, yeah, right. right? Yeah. No, that's all actually happening. I think, so my headcanon, what, such as it is, is it's a gym. Clearly, he's not in his office all the time. Yeah. So someone just... Maybe they just had that guy, Tony, just like, go type this on his typewriter. Right. You know, throw a note in his wastebasket. He'll never notice. Like that. That detail seems a little risky. Like leaving that in a, in the wastebasket or whatever. But whatever. I I can see that being part of this elaborate frame. Yeah, it is not given any textual um uh, basis, but it it would follow or 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 have someone else do it, like someone other another guy who trains there or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. There we found. So there's two flaws with this episode. <laughs> and we found both of them um yeah no it's it it's great i really enjoyed watching it i felt like 
it was a shame I had to take notes because I would have liked to just watch it. Right. So I might just watch it for fun, which I do not get to do with this show anymore. Not that it, watching it isn't fun, but you know, I yeah, yeah. I know. What you're I generally don't just put on an episode like we in our household. It's come to the I'll I'll be like, oh, I got to watch the Rockford Files for you know the recording or whatever, and and it's like, oh yeah, uh, do you want me to watch it with you? And I'm like, if you want, <laughs> I will be pausing and writing up notes all the time. And I will not be discussing things during it. Uh, I mean, like, we do discuss things, but, like... I have to save this content for the show. Yeah, exactly. I can't enjoy it anymore. No, that's a lie. I'd say, if anything, I enjoyed this more. Now I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to watching it without having to take notes and enjoying all the little things that I already know about. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. So this has turned into a bit of a long one, so we should probably go ahead and wrap it up. I don't know if there's anything else to add. It's a good episode. I would say it's a good recommend if you wanted to introduce someone to the Rockford Files. Like, it's a little weird. Like, it doesn't really have, in the sense of it doesn't, I mean, it has Dennis, but it doesn't have some of the other Hallmark Rockford Files stuff. But, like, it's a great episode of TV, so. I I agree. Like, Dennis is in it, but not as Dennis. (laughs) Well, they need him to be Dennis. Sorry, I take that back. I agree. They need him to be Dennis so that he can be there in the trailer to say, who can look at the men when Ruth is right there? <laughs> well, they need they need a cop friend to be in the trailer so he can ask the cop friend to do the background check. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My my final note is that I think it's very funny. The entry on this episode in uh, that Robertson book, the only commentary is is to note that James Garner and Louis, I assume Louis or Louis Delgado, who plays mm-hmm. Billings, they would play backgammon all the time. That was their like chilling oh. on set activity nice. in in Garner's trailer. Um, so the commentary is just a paragraph about like they love to play backgammon. They did it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It's like I guess we got to have that information somewhere in the book. But this mm-hmm. episode, okay, <laughs> good stuff. It's a great up to talk about with a great app. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and I'm glad I called an audible to pick it out. And we have a selection of our next episodes already lined up, which is very exciting. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, I think that uh, we've earned our 5% of 200% of 33% and a 33 and a third percent. Yeah. We're, well, if we're splitting 5% between the two of us, so right. we each have... Two and a half percent of 10% of 33 and a third percent. How about that? That sounds good. All right. You know, I'll, I'll go figure out where, where Tuesday Night Fights is airing. Uh, so follow, <laughs> follow my investment in his career. But don't you worry. We will be back next time to talk about another episode of The Rockford Files. But I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal. So you got 25% at best and beat me. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah,